the truck what day is it it's wednesday we've made it to the middle of the week is it oh yeah it is wednesday dead center in the middle of the week this is where it's at what the truck i'm dooner that's the dude what's up man hey man beautiful spring day my friend it's warm out there no rain no rain though bro how you doing though well it must be i'm not as good as jeff bezos must be a good day at his house or mgm's house i'm not sure maybe i get your take on this who do you think went out on the deal and what do you think about all this media consolidation mgm amazon buying mgm 8.45 billion dollars Wow, if I was selling it for that, that'd be sweet, I guess, depending on how much I went in. <laughs> it's hard to say. It's hard. I don't really know the don't, like James Bond, MGA asset. Yeah, MGA. it is. I mean, 8.45, that's a lot of cash, but I don't know what it's worth. I don't know if that's a great deal or not a great deal. But uh, yeah, the consolidation thing. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't like consolidation because I like competition yeah. and I like all that and creativity and that type of stuff. So does this lead us closer to some toward, you know, we have less entertainment or less say of what it is? I don't know. Well, was it because I was in my Apple TV last yeah. night and I was cleaning up all these old apps and, you know, Nicola, there's, there was about 15 apps that have now, now all been consolidated between Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, Disney. So I was deleting all these other apps and it really got me sort of thinking. So then when I saw this story, it was like, there's just like five major companies now, but here's why Prime did it. So yeah. Prime, this is an interesting stat. Prime has 200 mil, million paid subscribers, Prime Video. Um, Netflix has 208 million, but, and here's something I suspected, and, I, and I, it was confirmed when I looked into it, people stream five times more content from Netflix. But I will tell you something, if Prime reads what people say about them and they go around the internet, they'll know that the one thing everybody complains about about Prime is the UI, the user interface. It's just not great on Prime. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not big on this, but it seems to me that Prime, when I think of US, it's like an add-on because I bought Prime for shipping, yeah. right, and purchasing, right? It's just kind of this add-on thing. And Netflix is, I mean, you, that's not shipping. That's, yeah. you know what you're getting, you're intentionally getting it, right? So is that the issue? Well, uh, yeah, no divided audience, and maybe it does yeah. devalue it a little bit because it's a throw-in. It's an interesting thing yeah. to, to think about. Yeah. You know, today on the show, we're going to be talking about driver retention and recruiting, two huge issues. We have a bunch of guests to talk about it, but freight isn't the only place that's having a tough time attracting that's talent right. and attracting labor. A couple places right here. McDonald's, they're offering iPhones. They're offering an iPhone. Check it out. If you work there, you got to work there for six months in order to get it. They don't even yeah. specify the model. It could be like an iPhone 3G. We talked about the 3G sunset last episode. So <laughs> yeah, we who don't knows know what you're getting. Maybe yeah. it's an Essie. Yeah. I don't think they're giving you the top of the line, but you're getting something. But <laughs> check out what Bucky's is paying. So McDonald's is already way behind. This is already outdated because look at Bucky's here. You can make $17 just starting out there. And yeah. look at that text by the bottom. 40 hours a week they're starting to offer people with benefits, with 401k, with all of those things. Yeah. I used to work jobs like these when I in my younger days, yeah. and especially way yeah. And McDonald's, they would not give you 40 hours. They would give you 39 hours a week at most. Yeah, that's and exactly right. And they would send right. you home if you were going to hit 40 because yeah, they don't yeah, want to give you benefits. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, there was no health care or 401k. That's for darn sure. And three weeks paid off yeah. instantly. Yeah. And, and, I mean, check out the bottom line. That's really big, actually. No, you yeah. can use it, cash it, or roll it. Exactly. I, on your, on and your a time lot of off. places That's have awesome. phased out rollovers. So, you know, it's a good time to be an employer, at least a better time. But if you're thinking to yourself, well, what's the better deal? Do I go to McDonald's and get the iPhone? Well, let's say you're going to McDonald's, you're getting $7.50 an hour. They're yeah. only going to give you 39 hours a week. You probably won't even get that much. And here's all you'll make. And for people who argue against upping minimum wage, here's all you'll make $292.50. 
Could you live on $292.50? I mean, that seems criminally low. Um, For a total, and here's how little you make in six months to get that iPhone, $7,605. Now, Bucky's, you're going to make 680 hours, $680 a week if you get to work 40 hours. You'll make $17,680 in 26 weeks or six months, plus those benefits. So $10,000 difference. A little bit more palatable too, right? I mean, that's getting there. That's yeah. getting there, but yeah, two hundred ninety-two dollars for the yeah. Hey, let's tip the band. This episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships through outstanding customer service since two thousand seven. Learn more at tell them, dude. Oh man, go to newlegendinc.com immediately after the show. Hey, bankruptcy, but this one <laughs> got ahead of myself. Totally forgot. Thank you guys for keeping me honest with the bumpers. (laughs) Um, Illinois Trucking Company with history of hours of service violations files for Chapter 7. So here's the story. Clarissa Hawes reports that an Illinois trucking company cited several times of service, hours of service violations. They shuttered operations. They filed Chapter 7 bankruptcy. They're called B&B Logistics, headquartered in Elmhurst. They filed its petition on May 13th. The trucking company, not a huge one, had 17 drivers, 19 power units, seats operations. But this happened nearly a year ago. Yeah, it did. In December 2019, B&B Logistics, they received a conditional safety rating from the FMCSA after undergoing compliance review Mm. Uh, for a few months uh, earlier. Prior to the carrier ceasing operations, it had been cited multiple times for false reports of drivers' record of duty status, failing to maintain an electronic logging device, instruction sheet, and record of duty status violations. Uh, so in its filing, B&B says it lists its assets of 50000 to a $1 million, and, uh, or $50,000 is its assets, and liabilities between $1 and $10 million. Yeah, they state that they have uh, 99 creditors, but a trailer hitch ain't is one. Not one of them. Survey of motorists' <laughs> reckless behavior should be a wake-up call to commercial fleets. That's according oh, God, to Travelers. Yeah. Mark Solomon reports for years the trucking industry has argued that motorists have been chief culprits behind crashes that involve large commercial vehicles. When I was on SiriusXM, that's what all drivers say. Blame the four-wheelers. Well, a survey from insurance giant, the Travelers Company, of motorist behavior in 2020 won't do anything to dispel those truckers' claims. The 2021 Travelers Risk Index, a survey of 1,001 U.S. motorists, the same amount of moves that wrestler Dean Malenko knew, by the way. Yeah, is con- that right? <laughs> yes, conducted in January, uh, found that one quarter of respondents thought that American roads were safer after the COVID-19 pandemic reached the U.S. in March 2020 than they were before. They were wrong, though. For example, <laughs> they were wrong. For example, 17% of the respondents said that they had shopped online while their vehicles were in motion, up from 8% pre-pandemic. Oh, I mean, that's okay. So about 19% said that they took videos or pictures with their mobile devices while they were in motion. Up Wait, from so online 10%. shopping was up in general, but it was also up for people driving. While they were driving, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, while they were driving, they were, they were doing this, right? And uh, 19% were taking videos, ten, up 10%. Uh, and other actions that were high risk but still seem more in line with uh, today's reality, 26% reported that they texted and emailed while driving last year, up from 19% before the pandemic. About 20% checked social media platforms while driving, up from 13%. There was a viral video on Twitter yesterday, and this lady was going like full Karen on the cop that pulled her over. And she was like, as a woman, you can't just come up to me when I'm driving. And he's like, yes, I can. I'm a cop. And you're texting. <laughs> so you, you can't, can't come up to me while I'm driving. 
The survey showed that motorists perceived, yeah, like she was like, you put me at, he's like, I'm a public safety officer, okay? <laughs> you put like, me at risk Don't be so entitled. <laughs> the survey showed that motorists perceived they were operating in a safer environment due to the pandemic, felt comfortable in taking more risks while mobile because they saw less cars around them, and they also drove faster. But here's a surprising thing. Everyone would have thought that fatalities went down last year because there's so many less cars on the road, but they were up 8% they were over up. 2019. I never would have guessed that. Would you? I don't think you would. Don't lie to me. Lie to me. All right. Truckers implicated. Get this. This is this is a big deal in Canada. Truckers implicated in a multi-million dollar U.S. Canadian uh, smuggling ring. So Nate Tabak reports. Isn't this from like Trailer Park Boys? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly smuggling. Nate Tabak reports. Truck drivers transported loads of contraband tobacco from North Carolina to the Mohawk Territory in New York and returned with bags of cash and counterfeit cigarettes as part of this U.S. Canadian smuggling ring that evaded nearly 700 million dollars in taxes it lasted for nine years and the scale was staggering 6.7 million pounds of tobacco were smuggled across 686 million in lost tax revenue for the canadian government all tied to a single farmer who admitted to serving as a broker okay the ring uh the ring involved boats and snowmobiles and members of the hell's angel according to court records sounds like the plot of the next liam neeson movie The only thing they're missing is a stolen train from Patrick Swayze. That would have made it Trailer Park Boys all the way. Details emerged in the U.S. federal court case involving the farmer, Pink Hill, North Carolina resident Phil Caprice Howard, 55. He was sentenced on Thursdays to six and a half years in prison after pleading guilty to conspiracy to commit money laundering and filing false tax returns. Howard purchased a rag-cut tobacco from warehouses in North Carolina and sold it to smugglers on uh, this reservation. I can't pronounce it, and there's no way I'm going to. (laughs) Well, he says right here, these cases have had little impact since a new truck driver can be readily found to drive the route across the border. That's what Assistant U.S. Attorney Susan Menzer wrote. But i got to tell you, wait, I thought there was a truck driver shortage. (sighs) Apparently not for smuggling. Maybe uh, not for smugglers. Maybe you don't need need to check all the boxes when you're a smuggler. Well, (laughs) hey, we got our first guest here. Speaking of drivers shortages, speaking of recruiting, speaking of retention, our next guest, Robert Moffat. He's the EVP and Director of Operations over at New Legend Inc. He's joining us now to talk a little bit about that topic. Robert, thanks for coming back on the show. How are we doing, guys? We're doing we're doing really well. We're talking about recruiting, you know, big topic. That's what the show is going to be focused on. When it comes to driver recruiting, though, how is New Legend Inc. dealing with this challenge? Well, I took some notes earlier this morning and uh, thought about some of those questions that we were going to talk about. And uh, I think it really boils down to, first and foremost, uh, we're building a larger recruiting team. We're expanding our footprint. We're looking at other states like Texas and Oklahoma because uh, we have freight that we're moving from those positions. Um, we're investing back into the company to make sure we have new equipment. Uh, and so, so, so those are some of the challenges and things that we're doing to try to meet the demands of the drivers. I think that's probably the first and foremost piece of uh, what we're trying to get done with the recruiting piece. And uh, the only way to do that is to, like I said, expand the number of recruiters that we have and, you know, meet a different market. Excellent. So uh, how is Legend going about uh, retaining the drivers that you have? Well, I can say um, I looked at this for the last quarter and we, we did we did OK. Um, but the retention piece is a little tough because um, we're finding out that drivers don't want to do live and live. They don't want to do uh, live and drop. 
Um, they want to see drop and drop. So they're really looking for uh, shipper choice um, freight. Um, they're looking for um, things that make it easier for them to put together some engineered lanes that they can get their home time. So these are all the things that we're trying to do. Um, I'll say that if we have a driver that has this situation that, you know, maybe he wants to quit or there's an issue, you know, he has to go through, I'll call it the, the chain to find out, you know, what is it that the problem is? How do we mentor the person? How do we gain value back into the driver? So those are some of the things that we're doing from our side. So it will go from basically from the driver manager back all the way back to the recruiter to uh, find out if there's anything we could be doing differently to improve some maybe some of the processes that we're doing to create that visibility for the driver to be successful too so i mean it's 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 both sides you know we've got to listen well what's more important recruiting or retention well we're trying to still grow as a company so i would say recruiting is important because we need to make sure we're putting the best drivers in the seat so at the end at the end of the day you're always going to continue to to recruit because you're going to want to put the best qualified drivers in the seats. You want to make sure that they're capable of performing their job at the standards that we've set for ourselves. Um, but the retention piece is extremely important also because ultimately if we're, if we're doing really good job at retention, then we should be getting that Passover back from those drivers that are providing us with leads and uh, you know other things that allow us to hire other drivers because they want to drive for us. Yeah, it's always a good thing when you get your drivers to uh, try and bring on more people. Some companies are just, you know, they're raising pay. We see it in in, in warehousing. We're seeing it in trucking, raising pay in order to bring in uh, drivers, recruit them, and retain them. Do you think that's effective? And, and what are you guys doing that is different than that? Um, so we're doing every, every bit of that. Um, we're offering bonuses. Um, we're looking for drivers to uh, have retention with us. Um, that's why we're doing the bonuses. Uh, we are increasing the rate per mile for what the, some of the lanes that we're doing because they might be very strategic. Um, they might be very, um, I'll say, shipper of choice lanes. So when we have a shipper that says we're going to give you a piece of business and the expectation is this is where we'd like you to perform, perform on it, then we've got to put those drivers that want to uh, perform in those lanes on, that, on those loads and continue to make sure that uh, we can service the customer. Because at the end of the day, I'll go back to the same thing I said before, and that is, you know, we have to listen to the drivers. But at the end of the day, we have to set them up for success so that we can, we can both grow uh, in that piece of business. Now, if you were listening to the open, McDonald's is, is offering iPhones after six months uh, of employment. What are some That's of the right. things you offer drivers that differ from other companies? <laughs> yeah. You going to pull out a used iPhone there, Robert, and give it to your drivers or what? No. No. I think I think in the big picture, I, I would say that for us, it I, I'll say probably a lot of people are following the same piece of business that's out there, providing the drivers with bonuses, maybe paying them a little quicker than uh, normal for some of the things that we're doing, knowing that there's visibility to that. Uh, I'll say, you know, if a driver is married, I would say that some of those things that we're offering might go a little farther because somebody at the house is saying, this is, this is where you need to be at. This is where you need to stay at. Um, continue to work there. there. I believe there's better successes there. Um, and so those are some of the things that we're trying to do and make sure that, you know, as a, as a family-owned company, we try to tell ourselves that, you know, the extension goes all the way back to the people that live in the, in the, at the house with the, the driver that's on the road. 
Yeah, so Robert, you're talking about um, uh, matching the the drivers with shipper of choice type of lanes and stuff like that. So, um, it, it does you, do you put the onus back on, or do you work with the shippers to try and make them shipper of choice type of shippers? I mean, that's what you're talking about here. This driver wants to be on the road constantly. This one wants to be back. Trying to match them up with that. Can you talk to that a little bit? So, so for, from a standpoint of our customers, everything that we do, we don't bid on every lane and every bid that we do. We look at our network, we build around our network, we engineer pieces, uh, we have conversations with our customers and say these are good lanes that are, that are going to help us retain drivers. Um, so at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is put things in place so that if it's a thousand mile run because the guy's an OTR driver, he's going a thousand miles one direction, hopefully within 10 miles with the deadhead piece, hopefully I have another customer that's on the other side that's sending us back to the same direction. So that's two days out, two days back, you know, with the hours of service, you know, and then if he's going to run as OTR, he's going to go back the other direction and we're going to be able to achieve the, the uh, miles that we're looking for the week for that driver. And hopefully in between that, his, his home is either at the other end or in between where he's getting his home time also. So that, those are the things that we're engineering around the things we're doing with Super Toys because those are the, the important things. So I'm not looking to hire a driver that's in New York City because then he's domiciled and he's 3,000 miles away and I'm never going to get him home. So, I mean, if you think about what we're doing, those are the things that we're doing with recruiting. Now, Robert, let's say that, okay, I like what I'm hearing. I've decided not to go to McDonald's for the iPhone. I want to become a driver <laughs> for, for New Legend. How would, a, how would an individual go about doing that? So there's there's a way. The best way to do it is go to www.newlegendinc.com. Click on the driver link, and it'll take you and give you the Tele app that allows you to apply. And it goes into 10th Street. It basically takes a day and a half to basically process. They can be in orientation if they if they fill an application on a Friday. Most likely they're going to be in orientation on Wednesday. If they deliver, if they do it any other time during the week, then we'll probably get them back on get them into orientation on Monday. And orientation's two days long. Wow. Hey, Robert, thank you so much for joining us today, your continued support of the show. Uh, it was a great time. We'll catch you next time on, on here. All right. I appreciate it, sirs. Thank hey, you. Take it easy. Thanks, Robert. Wow, they move quick, too. So if you want the job, they're going to, to move quick and get you yeah, to see. Yeah, heck yeah, man. You know, our New next drugs. guest, he, he's got a company here, local company, Chattanooga. It's called WorkHound. He's the CEO of the company. And, you know, they, the, the piece they play in in terms of retention and recruiting is surveying drivers, getting their sentiment, and helping carriers put that sentiment into action to keeping the drivers. So the retention side of things, right? Retention yeah, to me which is, is huge. just as important oh, yeah. as the Absolutely. recruiting, Much if not cheaper more. to hold somebody than to lose them and recruit again. How right? many businesses have you been in where like, they only seem to care about the orientation of the new employees? And you're sitting <laughs> yeah, there and you're like, exactly. well, I, what happened to me? Where are they? Yeah. Roll the Where's my new iPhone? Hey, you know what else is cool? I'm not the only TEDx speaker in this room anymore. He is oh, as well. Get out of town. Yeah. He's one too. He's got man parts of steel. Let's see his let's see uh, let's see a little clip of him on his TEDx. Show you I've got the spark. We might as well just drop the beat. Let's go. Fresh out the gay like weeds out the garden. No government, so dust, no pardon. Loaded with a cow turn, a cow turn, a hot damn. Put on the red light, coming Mr. Roxanne. Ooh, time 
bring home with a finish. Highs got big, flipping tails in the cities. Candy with sour, tasting so sweet, so I feel every single urge with a quick tweet. Impulse trash to do a bit of everything, so I had passed. Back to the game like whoa, spring loaded and engaged. Turn cows down like new school replays. Hey, don't like the results? Get your green up like a ripped off coat. Whoa, whoa, double up like bubble girls. Got a little pep on some, never fed up. Yeah, word to that. Keep the beat wet, bird bath. Breached up like a pig in a mud pit. Drank on the tea song about Bubba Compass. Hungry for the turn on the biscuits. Ain't no thing, the earth is delicious. Taste that, gon' swallow that down. Full belly, so what you do now? Digest. Amped up like so ballistic. True to myself, I'll be my own mistress. Ay. And I can't even stop there. Be damned if the mirror's where I get my cold stairs. Step up or step out. Two new worlds, but it's still dirty south. Congratulations, yeah. Max. That was look. That was sweet. Look, here's the thing. I got to do my TEDx, and I got to do it without an audience in this room because of the pandemic. You're up there just dropping bars and freestyling right on stage. Just an average weekday in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> You're the, awesome. By the way, also, you know, you might not know this, but here the production team, they have like a tie-dye versus Hawaiian shirt war that goes on yeah. on Fridays. Oh, really? I do. It's Wednesday, so you're a little bit early, but if you have any more of those tie-dye workout short shirts, bring them by. So yeah, we man. just did a tie-dye team activity. So you guys missed out. We, uh, we sent tie-dye t-shirt, we sent workout white shirts to uh, everyone on our team and their kids. Sweet. Friday and over the weekend, people did tie-dye activities. And then in our uh, all-company stand-up had tie-dye Tuesday. Whoa. So uh, folks rocked the shirts. So trying to make it fun in this, uh, this uh, remote world that we're in now. Now, <laughs> Max, you're in it. we asked our last guest, what's more important, retention or recruiting? I know yeah. you guys did a case study with, with USA Truck, actually, right? Yeah. What did you learn from that? And, and which one do you think is more important? Retention is the new recruiting. And it's really it comes down to, to supply and demand right now, that people are staying where, where they're happy, so you have to work to make your place a, a carrier of choice. And it, and it starts by figuring out what do we need to do to make our, our people want to stay at our place. And if you don't know the answer to that, it starts by asking them, you know, what, what do you need from us in order to, to b- get better so we can become a better version of ourselves? And that's a big reason why WorkCount exists and why we do see success stories like the USA uh, truck case study that you mentioned. Uh, really, it comes down to how do we make sure that we have alignment that we have attractiveness of the job, that we operate with empathy, and that what we, we, what we provide to drivers is simple because uh, there's a lot of complexity in, in the supply chain right now. Last thing we need to do is add more frustration to that for drivers. Yeah, absolutely. So I was reading through that. It's really, really interesting. How did you guys partner up with USA Truck? How did that occur? Um, well, so it, it starts small, you know, like many big companies, they mm-hmm. want to dip their toe in the water before they go for a swim. Yeah. And uh, I'm fortunate I've been able to, to build rapport with, with some of their senior leaders there. But really one of the, the key things for, for USA Truck is that they operate with a culture of curiosity. And, uh, you know, they've rolled up their sleeves. They've seen their, their stock price do well. And they've seen some of the metrics uh, perform as a result of it. So if you look at their last report, one of the big things they, they say was uh, instrumental for them was a reduction in, in driver turnover. And it takes a tremendous amount of work. But what they've done is they've really understood what are the, the friction points that, uh, that our drivers are facing and what are the things we need to change. So, for example, in our work count data, what we see is that 41% of all comments about pay are questions. 
It's people either not understanding their pay or feeling like it's incorrect. And so USA Truck, USA Truck takes data like that and says, okay, um, how do we create a simple pay package? Uh, in, in the last segment, I know you guys were talking about the rising driver pay. And really what, what we have to do is, yes, we, we have to be competitive with pay in anything. That's not just in trucking. That's in the industry right now because trucking's competition is not other carriers. It's also other industries as well. Uh, and so we really have to, to map out how do we make it simple and, and make it attractive. Yeah. And, you know, you see places like Bucky's too and fast food, right? They're all having to increase pay, all offering jobs and locations, as does last mile delivery for drivers who don't want to go over the road and not as many young drivers do. But when you do these surveys, you survey a company like USA Truck. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that surprised you that you learned from this data or maybe another case study assumptions that you had that you're like, you know what, that actually makes a lot of sense? Sometimes the, the, the straightforward things, the things that companies already know, are the, the, the gut punches that are necessary. And so we often hear from companies, oh, we've heard this before. Uh, and, and we've heard this for four or six weeks in a row. It's like, that means there's still a problem. And, yeah. and now's the time to roll up our sleeves and do something about that issue. And what's, uh, what's really powerful about having a real-time continuous feedback loop is that those gut punches wear on you as a, as a leader. And you say, all right, maybe it is time to do something. Whereas like a if you're burying your head in the sand and not getting feedback at all, or maybe you're just doing a one-time survey, it's easy to just put that stuff to the side and say, you know what, we're, we're just going to pretend that issue doesn't exist. But it does, and people are either going to use the power they have, which is to leave, or um, they're going to share feedback elsewhere on forums, on, mm. um, on Facebook, at truck stops. So feedback is going somewhere. As a company, it's in your best interest to control the message. It certainly is. And, and one of the things that was interesting that I'd like you to talk about is, is the ad adaptation of this from past the drivers, right? The drivers, are the, they're out there on an island, and it makes sense that you've got to connect with those guys mm -hmm. and understand what's going on. But this goes into the in-office, right? The back office people? Yeah. I mean, it, this, is, this is an issue nationally, if not globally. We are a, if, if you're not in office, you have a, a hybrid working model or you're a fully distributed team at this point. So a lot of companies are experiencing what truck drivers have been experiencing on the road for decades. There is isolation and we're all figuring out how do we communicate when we're not in the same space together? How do we make sure each other are accountable and also um, motivated? Like right now, one of the big issues that isn't getting talked about is uh, mental well-being and psychological safety. Mm -hmm. and, and these are things that we have to, to make sure to take the time about to, to address as leaders. Otherwise, people are going to, again, use the power they have and, and make, the, make a change because the workforce is incredibly competitive in every industry, tech, trucking, anywhere in the supply chain, your frontline workforces. It's, it's fierce out there. And so you have to work hard to be a desirable company. So big issue last year was coronavirus, obviously. And yeah. I know you did a lot of surveys last year. And right now, big vaccine rollout. We've done actually an amazing job here in Chattanooga. Basically, anybody who wants a vaccine can go and get one. But the problem is not every driver does. I follow a lot online. They tend to lean a little bit more right. They tend to listen to a little bit more of the dialogue coming from that direction, a little bit more mistrusting about vaccines. But you actually did a survey about this. So this isn't just me looking at Twitter. But what did your survey find out? So we haven't done any specific feedback or, or got, done, a, done a specific survey around vaccines. And we've seen some, some mentions about it, but really it's, it's up to companies to, to just share where, what, where they stand on this as far as, as vaccines. And if a company's advocating for them, just share, here's where you can get them. If you need to take time off because you may get sick after the second shot, here's how we're going to support you on that. 
uh, and then just make sure that there's a, a game plan in place for it. I mean, at this point in the United States, anybody that wants a vaccine has the ability to get one. And uh, if people need more education, they, they can go get it themselves. But, um, you know, the, the world is moving forward. You know, the truck doesn't stop. The supply chain doesn't stop. So we have no choice as an as a industry and as a country. We've we got to keep pushing forward regardless of how folks feel. And that's a big retention play, too. That plays right into oh, yeah. retention. You have a driver that's feeling a lot of anxiety about needing this vaccine, going to get it. They're not getting the communication from HQ or their team. This is truck driving. It's 100% turnover. You can go drive another truck, go get your vaccine, and go do it if, if, if you need it that bad. But like you said, nobody wants to stop the wheels. Nobody wants to not get paid. Well, and, and what's been really powerful about watching the industry over the past year is that um, a lot of companies have started to operate with, with empathy. And... And one of the things that, that stood out during the pandemic was that people are going to remember how they were treated during this time. And so a lot of companies did realize we have to be the co-pilot of, of our people. Otherwise, somebody else is willing to, to, to do that. Uh, so I, I do think more and more companies are, are realizing we do need to, to, to give space for folks. If, if they want to go get a vaccine, go get a vaccine. Or if they, uh, they need a mental health break, people are starting to factor that sort of stuff in where... In the past, it was, you know, this is the job, do it or, or, or leave. And people left when, when that, that's what they were confronted with. Now, Max, you're speaking the truth here. You're speaking, you're speaking the gospel. Before we let you go, do you want to drop some bars live? Or should we take a quick look at your goody-good rap? <laughs> let's go goody-good. Let's go goody-good. All right, let's take a look at the goody-good rap. Oh, the crap video. Yeah, right? Yep. Yeah, found people all around the world. Paid them five bucks each to do something crazy, and this is what we came up with. <laughs> five bucks each to do this. This was a fun project. That's sweet. <laughs> have you kept touch with any of the people who appeared in this? I, I have not. Um, but uh, it would be fascinating to see where they are, and if they're still on Fiverr. If you make another one, we'll dance in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys are in the video editing business. Doing something like that's a ton of video editing work. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it's like one of those things, like, I know what this feels like now. But it was fun. Especially syncing the audio with the puppets and all that kind of stuff, too. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to, uh, to my friend Jay for putting that together. <laughs> well, hey, Max, thank you so much for stopping by the studio. You may not know this, but you are the first guest to stop by here in over a year on What the Truck. So it that's was right. an honor to have you over here. Yeah, and uh, ever since I did that Insiders with you, learned about your background and, and rap and watch your TEDx. You know, it's an honor to have you come by. No, it's just fun. I'm, you know, we're just a few blocks away from each other. So glad we could do it. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, have a great show. Where's the website in case anyone digitally Workhound.com. So just reach out to us. We'd love to uh, um, have a conversation with you if you're, if you're curious about how your company can level up. But if you're just looking for content, we have uh, a great blog. We have some great case studies and, and e-books and white papers. And we have webinars uh, happening regularly. So um, we'd love for you to engage with that and just uh, start to understand how can you level up as a, as a business or as an individual uh, leading. And um, appreciate you guys having us. Word. Thank you. Thanks, Max. Take it easy. Again, we'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for drivers. It is West Regional's premier freight transportation company. Learn more at Tell Oh, man. Dude. Go to newlegendinc.com immediately after the show. All right. The recruiting talk continues here. We are not done. We haven't rang the bell on it yet. Charles nope. Gracie, president of Hot Seat Services Inc. He's joining us. He's multi-generational. His dad was a trucker, so he has some blood insight. 
Charles, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. What's uh, what's going on behind you? Where are you right now? Uh, home office. Uh, all my people work remotely. It makes them a little bit happier, more motivated. So uh, I indulged in that myself and converted the garage into a home office myself. Smart man. I love it. I love oh, it. Very well, cool. It almost looked like an escalator behind him. I thought maybe. Yeah, he... that's why I was asking. I was like, <laughs> what, where exactly are you right now? Or like a, a movie set or something. Yeah. Maybe he got picked up in that MGM deal with, with Amazon. <laughs> yeah. uh, quick elevator pitch on, um, on what Hot Seat Services is. So Hot Seat Services is a one-stop shop, all things recruiting. We do advertising management. We do third-party recruiting and then consultations and training. Uh, hiring drivers is our jam. We are passionate about it, and we live and breathe it. So it's nice to be able to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, very cool. So from your Hot Seat point of view, what is the uh, current state of uh, recruiting? Well, uh, it's improving. We're seeing an uptick in app volume. Um, so that part's encouraging. We're still seeing, uh, a lower response rate than pre COVID, but uh, I think what we're also noticing is it's people that are focusing on the right things in their companies and in their culture are coming ahead and winning during this. Now, here's the question that, you know, don't, don't throw this grenade out there. If you're in a room with OIDA and ATA, is there a driver shortage? I don't agree with there's a driver shortage. I think there's a qualified driver shortage, being that the insurance companies have uh, pretty much grabbed carriers by the necks over the years. And now that we're going into the driver shortage of qualified drivers, that is the problem. Ah, that's it's, it's interesting. So where, where are you on the age? You know, they talk about dropping the age to like 18 for uh, to go inter interstate, right, with the proper qualifications. What's your thought there? I think it's a great idea. Right now, we're seeing a lot of advancements in the people's forward thinking in the driver market. So the age opens up a great deal of uh, applicants that might not have uh, access to careers that would pay as well as truck and will, as well as it'll pique the interest of people and getting them in there earlier on rather than waiting until they're 23 to actually make a decent buck doing so. Yeah. Charles, let's talk about about pay. Which direction is it going in? Are you starting to be able to offer driver better and more attractive packages? Are you half are you having to do that or carriers having to do that? Oh, yes. Uh, it's a hot button topic right now. We're seeing a lot of carriers look internally and see uh, what's important. We're seeing everything from pay structures that are being raised higher than we've seen since even 2018. And we're also seeing the pay negotiations come into play. We're seeing some carriers say, hey, you've been driving 10 years. You're not worth the same as a guy that's been driving three years, which I think is long overdue to have that conversation. And then you're even entertaining the idea of hourly pay for all on duty with a lot of carriers. So a lot of innovative thinking when it comes to driver pay packages. Mm. So is it, what's the best carrier to work for right now? Is it the higher paying or the ones with the better culture? Definitely the better culture. Even the drivers are moving in that direction. We're seeing a uh, high volume of drivers that are choosing maybe the lower paying uh, offer but they're not chasing the shiny thing in the corner because they're more intrigued about the culture or the work-life balance or uh, just overall reputation of the carrier. Very interesting. So you're, you're a recruiter, so you might, be a little bit, you might be a little bit biased, but in your unbiased opinion, what's more important, driver recruiting or retention? And uh, do you aid in both? Yeah, I definitely think retention is the focus. Uh, much like earlier in the show when they said uh, retention is the new recruiting, I highly agree with that. In order to bring in new talent, you have to retain the talent you got because the people that are there are your biggest asset for bringing in the proper people coming forward. So what mistakes are companies making there? Like, why is this such an issue? Why do we have 
turnover if retention is so important if we can sit here and say obviously retention is super important yeah. where's the where's the impasse in this message that's not getting through to the uh to upstairs yeah I think it's coming from uh, years and years of practice. Uh, but what we're seeing is what we ask drivers they like and what we think drivers like and what we move forward with are different things. You and I might talk about what drivers really like. And then when you get to the boardroom, all of a sudden, well, we think they'd like this. But if you go talk to the drivers, they truly don't like it. And these ideas stem from people that might not have come from the truck or understand what they really feel. Yeah, is it a case of retention of of not explaining what the job actually is at your at your facility? I mean, or at your company, right? You you paint it all glorious. You're going to make tons of money. You're going to be home all the time, and then that's not really what it is. When actually, you could recruit those people who want that to be out on the road all the time. Yeah, I certainly think proper expectations and communicating those expectations, both from the drivers and the carrier's point of view, attracts the right talent. And I think a lot of times everyone gets too much into the sales pitch and forgetting that these are drivers' livelihood. You need to communicate properly uh, and set those proper expectations so they know where the bar is at and also so they know where your bar is at so you guys can both uh, work together and move forward. So what are you learning while you're in the hot seat? Well, we'll talking to drivers and understanding their wants and needs. What, what's something you've picked up? I'm seeing a huge drive towards uh, the culture side. You know, uh, like I said a little bit earlier, the the whole pay package, the shiny thing in the corner, drivers are getting wise to it. They really respond a lot better to open transparency, recruiters setting those proper expectations, and also not just reading off the script. You know, a lot of us are saying the same stuff over and over again. What we try to do a little differently here is we'll tell the drivers the good and bad of each company. We find out what they want, and then we match them with what sets us apart from everyone else is that we're truly trying to match them with something that they're going to last with. I don't want to see their name come across our board more than once. Yeah, I think it's I, th- I think it seems like it's easy to be desensitized or it could be easy to be desensitized as an employer when you have 100 percent turnover. Right. Yeah. And start to view it as just tools that you have to change out all the time. And right? culture, and, you go, oh, they're in a truck. Well, who cares about truck. culture? Who cares about the culture? Yeah. 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 I think it would be easy to do that type of stuff. Right. I, I don't know. I, I mean, how do you break that cycle? I think it just comes from trying to be different from everyone else. Like I said, everyone's reading the same script. Uh, You go through these job ads, you listen to the internet and social media commercials, and they all sound the same. And uh, if you look at ours, we're focusing a little different. We try to appeal to the different nature of the drivers and let them know that, hey, we got what you want. We're going to find out what you need, what you want, and we're going to align it with the reality of what's out there and try to find you the best match. And I think a lot of times... It's just lost. Everyone's reading off that script. Get a butt in the chair and let's move. Now, we'll ask you a smart question before we ask you a stupid question. The smart question is, being multi-generational, having a dad that was a trucker, do you think that enhances the lens you see through and makes you a better guide for these drivers you're recruiting for? Certainly. Uh, Watching my father grow and growing up in the industry with him as a driver and also as an executive, and then me following in the footsteps, it allows me to take... uh, what I learned as a kid and what I viewed and what I did as a driver and what I did as an executive myself and apply it and try to find a way to make the two meet because we aren't dealing with just the younger generation of drivers. We've still got the older generation from my dad's era and you have to appeal to both because those guys have a plethora of knowledge that shouldn't be dismissed. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So let's go. I'm going to spin the wheel of stupid questions here. Spin the wheel, make the deal where it lands. No one knows. Okay. All right. We have, Your cell phone has fallen inside the leg of a full-size Stegosaurus statue. What do you do? Go back to recruiting with a new cell phone? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, excellent question. I was going to say, get a job at McDonald's, and after six months, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> there, there's a guy. We, actually, this was from a story, right? Yeah, you stole that from this story. Last time we were last show, we were talking about this guy who he dropped his cell phone inside of a Stegosaurus. Like, I think it was in like Barcelona and he went in yeah. to grab it and the guy fell inside. He went ass over tea kettle. He couldn't get out of the stegosaurus leg and he died. He died upside down what trying to get his phone. This poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> how do you tell people that you're, someone died that way? Horrible. Uh, well, anyways, oh. how do people reach out? How do they get in touch with I would with make up a new way about how I died if that was my case. Just make that up. That's, I'll put that in my will. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, if I die this way, change the story. What's the website? Uh, hotseatservices.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, Charles. We Thanks, appreciate Charles. it. <laughs> hey, so Michael Vincent, I was watching yeah. TV, and it's not often you see a freight commercial on TV. So no, when I do not. take, when I do see one, I take notice. And there's this hilarious ad that uh, Tive has out. And okay. as I'm watching, I'm like, I, I'm, I bet this is Tive. I bet this is Tive. I thought I saw a logo on the chuck wagon. We'll look at the video in a second. But let's bring oh, yeah. on uh, Krenar Kumani, first CEO over at Tive, and let's uh, we'll we'll bring him up. We'll take then we'll take a look at the commercial and we'll talk all about it. But first, I got to ask him. You're holding down Boston for me while I'm away. How are things going over there? They're, uh, everything's fine, man. Boston's doing great. <laughs> Good I think, seeing you guys. I think last time we had you on, it was like April, but it was snowing outside your window. I know. It was crazy. No, right now it's much better. It's sunny. It's beautiful. This is one of the few industries I get excited about seeing commercials in because you don't see commercials that often. Afraid, especially <laughs> good ones, well-produced with, yeah. with actors in them and all of that kind of thing. So let's roll this out. Let's take a look at it for, for the audience, and we'll talk to you a little bit about what went into making it. So roll the tape. Cowboy, you want to run away from us? Tavis showing our shipment is blocked somewhere in a dangerous zone. And they're not far. What do you think? Let's get ready to roll. What's this? That's Tide. What's Tide? I don't know. Hmm, you don't know. Guys, looks like we just found something very valuable. Let's get out of here. Can Tive save your shipment from bandits? Not really, but Tive can help you avoid preventable shipment delays and damage. Tive, because every shipment matters. <laughs> that was great. That was awesome. And who came up I with the video? <laughs> Uh, so I'm, as you guys know, right, I'm originally from Kosovo and there's a team in Kosovo that I work with. There's this guy, Uikan, uh, he's a, he's a great director, producer. He's actually been on Cannes Festival, uh, he's, he's just carried some ideas. So we've been bouncing back and forth on ideas and, uh, that's how I came up with it. <laughs> Wanted awesome. something Western, something funny. <laughs> no, it's great. So they're all stormtroopers, obviously dressed up, right? I mean, how many takes did it take for all those bullets to make sure no one died first? How many? How many people died in the first like ten takes? <laughs> no, a lot of visual effects. A lot of visual effects. You know what I thought was really smart about that video? That it's funny. Talking. Like that was filmed in Kosovo. You think it's like Grand Canyon or Arizona somewhere, but it's it's not. It's in Europe. 
Well, it's like the old spaghetti westerns, right? A lot of those John Wayne yeah. films were filmed in Italy. They weren't filmed in like the, the great Texas plains or anything. Oh, Most yeah, yeah. Clint Eastwood and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all the spaghetti yeah, they're, westerns. Yeah, they're filmed overseas. Sure. So you're staying in within yeah. the uh, the genre. Uh, great commercial. <laughs> what I really liked about it too is that it acknowledges the audience in the sense that what is Tive? I don't know. Most normal people watching that wouldn't know what Tive is. Yeah. Then it says what it does and what it doesn't do, and it and it adds some humor. I think it was. Uh, it was an amazing job. But aside from that commercial, tell us a little bit about that device we were seeing there. It looked really, really cool. Yeah, it's this one uh, right here. It's the Solo 5G. It's a tracker. Pretty much essentially any customer, shipper, logistics service provider. All they do is press a button, put it on the shipment, and we can tell them anywhere on the globe where the shipment is. And also its condition. Is it hot? Is it cold? Did somebody open the trailer using a light sensor all in real time? Yeah, so it's, it's really, so that's how we we, we track that uh, that uh, wagon and be able to tell if the bandits stopped it because there was like a shock sensor there that we detected. Yeah, you could detect that, detect the bandit, it, it stopped. There's a delay that's there, but it actually could help with bandits as well. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, you know where the thing is going if it leaves a certain thing and an opening and closing the doors, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had cases where large TVs were stolen. We were able to catch them, talk about like gaming consoles, talk about the telephones that you ship. Yeah, this is very important for those shipments. Now, do you get an insurance break if you use something like this? I imagine insurance companies would love to have this on some cargo. That's a good question. We have a few customers that get a break, and we have a customer actually used to ship vanilla from Madagascar, and they got a container stolen, so the insurance company told them, you know what, if you don't use a tracker, we're not going to insure you anymore. (laughs) So they had to put a tracker on all the shipments from now on. Well, a shipment of vanilla must be worth, like, millions of dollars. Like, a little, it's so expensive. (laughs) Oh, I know, yeah, no, right? (laughs) Yeah, it is. Wow, yeah, or saffron or something. Certainly. Well, I noticed you said 5G, too. We actually, last show, we were talking about, like, the 3G sunset. A lot of these sensors, things like, like that, were running, are running on 3G, 2G. Um, so now, so this is future-proof, though, right? This is, does this have 4G, 5G Honda. sensor in it? Yeah, that's kind of been the issue. Like, you start using a tracker, you start, then they're like, when is this going to die? Six months, I'm not going to have any visibility anymore in my shipments. So I have to look for something new. That's what we did. We said, you know what? What is it, something that's going to be here for the next five, six years? So we build a tracker that's 5G proof. That's awesome. So, Krenar, uh, talk, about, talk about this. When somebody sees this type of thing, they think, okay, we're going to put this on a shipment. It goes one way and it's gone. Okay, and so I can only use this in like a closed loop type of thing. Yeah. That doesn't, that's, that's not true, is it? I mean, uh, how, how do you use this? How does it come back? It doesn't have to come back. That's the beauty. We've made these. You can return them. You can recycle them. We have the Tide Green program, but it doesn't have to come back because they're single use. The cost is very effective. uh, So customers really love it. All they do is press a button, put it in. They don't have to return it. Who puts it on the shipment? Usually people in the warehouse. So let's say the guys are usually loading the truck or loading the container. That's who's putting it. So they load up full of berries. They put the tracker. They load up with gaming consoles they put the tracker whoever's loading the the trailer at the dock who's doing it hey if you ever need a cameo appearance in one of your ads too it would be like my dream to ride a horse and <laughs> shoot guns like that so send me a to Let's go. i would love to go i would love we could make content that we could all go we could make we could do a what the truck live in kosovo we could even track That'd our way there awesome, we could man. turn this into a content experience man what do you think uh, oh yeah no we That'd absolutely have to 
Hey, by the way, so this is a visibility tool. When we were at at home last week, yeah. nobody would shut up about visibility. No, I visibility feel like every single thing. session, Absolutely. every single person, visibility yes. was like, for some reason, it was a huge buzzword. Is that what you're hearing? Is that because of demand in the market right now? Yeah, the demand's huge. It's a must-have now. It's not a nice-to-have. It's customers are seeing that they need visibility or if they want to make their supply chains a little bit more efficient. I mean, we're tracking COVID vaccine, COVID test kits. We're tracking, you name it, right? Food, perishables. We're tracking uh, automotive auto parts. Like Because just in time, if you don't know where the shipment is, you have to shut down the factory. So visibility is... Uh, we And what we did, we... With a group of folks like Project 44, Forkites, we started this thing called Open Visibility Network, which is pretty cool. And uh, what we're doing with that is helping shippers and helping logistics service providers really get time to value, like quick, get to the value really fast. Instead of trying to figure out how do I get data, how do I get to carriers, how do I integrate with transportation management systems, how do I build a team that does that for me inside my company, why don't you just join the Open Visibility Network and off you go. You connect directly with the TMS that you're using, correct with the carriers that you're using. If you don't have visibility around some of the shipments and you want to know on load level what's happening, we put the type trackers that integrate into our platform, into Forkites, into Project 44, into other visibility platforms. And you just get to visibility with a snap of a finger instead of three months later or uh, four months later to get to the to 100% visibility that you're looking for. So we're pretty excited about that too. But we're hearing it quite a bit. It's resonating really well in the market. And uh, we're, we're it's just the, the other way to think about it is this is just the beginning. Yeah. We're maybe like 2%, 3% uh, of what we can do with visibility. We, we're still on that layer. Let's get all the location first. And then with location, all the things that we can do, like automation and other things. Well, hey, we greatly appreciate it. We enjoy being a little part of this journey. If you want to take us to Kosovo, we will absolutely go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm <laughs> I got a passport. I'll be on that plane. But in the meantime, people want to check out your website. Where do we send them to? Pretty easy. Tive.com. T-I-V-E.com. There you love it. Super easy. Peacecake. Tive. Just one syllable. Easy for me. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> take care. All right, let's go inside the newsletter. Let's do that. You've got mail. Don't you miss that screech? A little bit. <laughs> what was your first modem speed? I think mine was like 14.1. Oh, and then I remember dude, getting I, 56K. I, I didn't yeah. actually come on my compact. My compact came with like the 14.4, and I had to get the 56K. But then like you could download like um, a picture of like a Power Ranger in a compromising position. It would just like take forever. Yeah. Like, just 15 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's eventually get here. Uh, <laughs> here's a pretty serious story. This is what we covered in the newsletter, the What Truck newsletter. You can get it every evening, every Tuesday evening, 6 p.m. Eastern time. This is a very serious moment. Go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. And yesterday, OIDA put out a call to action to truckers out there over this steep, steep insurance hike, Rep, G, Rep Jesus Chewy Garcia, he's back at it again. So if you remember a year ago, Michael Vincent, yeah. he put a bill, it made through the House, it died in the Senate, but it was mm-hmm. to raise uh, insurance minimums, carrier insurance minimums, MVC, the minimum coverage, yeah. to, uh, or what is it, MC, MVC or MCV? One of the others. You guys know what I'm saying. Either way, they wanted to raise it to $2 bucks. <laughs> That's right, time. from 750 From 750 
at a time, Oida says, hey, you know, 99.6% of accidents are already covered by the 750. That's right. This is going to be devastating. It's going to put a ton of carriers out of business. Um, it got a little hairy because it went through the House. It died at the Senate. But it wasn't the end of the story here. So Garcia, he's back at it again. He just reintroduced a bill. And this time he's asking for the insurance minimums to raise to $4.92 million. Yeah, I guess the $2 million wasn't enough. He figures if he doubles that and, and more. Does then- he think they'll settle? <laughs> Down to two? I, maybe that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to start some negotiation, but it begs the question of why does he think this one's going to go there? What's the motivation? If 99.6% or, or whatever, 96.4, I think it was, whatever it was, are settled and covered with the two million or the one seven hundred fifty thousand, why? Yeah. What, what is this there for? What's the motivation? It does not make our roads safer is the argument again. One of the arguments again. Well, we talk about these capacity shortages we got right now, too. Driver shortage, capacity shortage, all these kind of things. Look, putting a bunch of trucking companies out of business with this insurance premium, it's not going to be the way to go. It's not going to help a lot of these specialized carriers that really give that handholding customer service. And it's only going to benefit the super major carriers that can afford that kind of blow. Because it well, it puts somebody else out of business. It raises rates and it helps the lawyers or whatever the ambulance chasers, if you will. I yeah. guess you got you got to think about that end of the, that angle of it as well. And it does nothing to improve safety, which really should be the goal, yeah. right? You you want to prevent the accident to begin with. Well, Oida didn't mince words on Facebook. They said it should come as no surprise that Rep Garcia is working with his trial lawyer allies to exponentially boost current insurance levels as they typically receive thirty to forty percent of a settlement against a motor carrier. You show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome. Yeah, that's exactly right, man. Follow the dollars. Follow it right there. But the problem is, like, you are hurting an entire industry exponentially um, and asymmetrically by doing something like that. Absolutely you are. I I think the motivations are not are not well intended if these facts are correct, 99.4%. Yeah. And obviously it doesn't improve safety. In any way at all. It does not. It just improves the monetary compensation that could happen or that is covered by insurance. Well, it also doesn't make it more palatable that it's not explained why it would go from two million. That was, you know, you've already heard the opposition that to four point nine two million. It just seems kind of made up. Uh, Landline reports that Owyd is actually working with a coalition of about 60 organizations from agriculture, manufacturing materials, and towing industries to to impose this because they would be nailed by this bill too. It's actually been sent in to uh, the bills up on on congress.gov. You can check it out there. It is called... uh, HR 2687, check it out um, if yeah. you're concerned about this I'm, one. Oida really wants you to step up to the plate. Sure. Bob Johnson on Facebook, he wasn't pulling any punches. He also says this. I'd like to be able to understand logic for the increase from 750k to exactly 4.2, 4.92 million other than making lawyers richer. And until we're given a good reason, I think that's a fair statement to make. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm on Bob Johnson's side. I'm glad you brought that up because exactly why, why the increase now, why does 2 million to 4.9 is more palatable? Did you figure out what's the calculation? 4.92 exactly. Exactly. What, what is it? it doesn't, you don't even get a free iPhone. Yeah. yeah. You don't no, even... you don't get a free iPhone. And we've got shortages in other places too, man. Uh, yeah, so we talked about lumber, right? Yes. What's made out of wood? Uh, very small rock. No, wait a minute. Witches. No, wait a minute. So they're burned at the stake. Uh, no, that's exactly. They yep. burn like wood. Pallets. The backbone of freight, right? That's right. Pallets. Pallets are made out of it. Pallets are, are made out of it. In fact, uh, what was it? 90, 93% of pallets are made out of wood. Um, there's yeah. a problem. The existing pallets are, with all this restocking, a lot of them are tied up. They're at grocers. They're at retailers. They're out of position, completely that's imbalanced. Exactly right. So just like containers or trailers, some some warehouses 
they're not seeing any pallets around. Other places, they're all over there. And, you know, there's a time in warehousing when pallets aren't in short supply that they can't get rid of them. You know, you're like, ah, can I take a pallet home? I got to prop something. Oh, sure. Go yeah, no, one. you see them stacked up behind the behind the buildings, right? Yeah, or <laughs> yeah. throw them in the bonfire. That's People a, using, they're like dime a dozen. People make sets out of them. Not now. It's a big issue. <laughs> now, the first issue started to happen. A lot of pallets were taken out of circulation when you had to be compliant with uh, what the, the bug restrictions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially going yeah. cross-border with them. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, uh, what was the ISP or I, whatever it was called. You guys yeah. who know about what I'm talking about know about. Yeah, the um, 49 million insects that come into the U.S. every day. We've covered this story. It's amazing how much Yeah, But, for, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, they're up 400%. The pallets are up 400%. Uh, and... There's no in real cost in, in cost or 400 percent in cost to get more pallets. Uh, Chap, who um, actually they were on insiders before we talked to them a little bit about it. Uh, they were talked about in in this article and they're saying, yeah, we're trying to make them. There's also plastic ones. But again, of the one point eight billion pallets in loose in use, 93 percent still made of wood. Yeah. And the plastic ones are not exactly great for the environment producing them. And then, you know, you got to recycle and do it, all that kind of stuff. So the wood, it's absolutely crazy, man. If absolutely you crazy. You, if you woke up out of a coma after 17 years, you woke up. Uh, you woke up this May. What would be? Uh, what, what would you think about the world right now? I wouldn't be real happy with it right now. But well, but there is another thing there because I've read the newsletter. Well, our next guest is a cicada. Let's take a look at him right here. <laughs> oh, bring him on up. Oh, there he is. Those are delicious, by yeah. the way. <laughs> well, that's what they're saying here. So, well, uh, here's a couple of things that were popular in 2004. You had Shrek 2, MySpace, The Passion of the Christ, with oh, the wow, highest grossing yeah. independent movie of all time, the greatest Outcast. rock band ever, Outcast. Maroon 5. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, uh, it's Nickelback. Outcast, hey, yeah, you know, yeah, what are you? You still had emo going on back then? <laughs> Motorola Razor, you didn't even have the iPhone yet. Well, cicadas woke up in a whole new world. 17 years later, they're the Brood X of cicadas. They're on Earth, and there's so many of them that actually people are calling the cops on them in Georgia. That's what I yeah. heard. They're Tom calling Williams. the cops. It's we've got a, we've got noise restrictions, my friend. Don't you realize this? But here's the thing: they can get. <laughs> so I guess we don't have in Chattanooga because I have not heard any like insect rock concerts. But apparently, they can get up between 100 and 120 decibels. Most communities have noise ordinances that are on 85 to 90 decibels. 120 decibels is like a rock concert. Yeah, that's like a Van Halen and 79 concert, <laughs> right? Or the Who or something. <laughs> You know what's amazing, dude? They still don't know exactly how the cicadas do it. Now, they know they use, like, their drums and their wings and stuff. And, and it they makes, got like, some that... type of, yeah. Well, there's some sort of amplifier, apparently, when it goes out their ears, and it just, like, turns that sound super <laughs> wicked loud. <laughs> well, and also, people are cooking them now. Apparently, they taste like nuts, and they have, like, a finish of popcorn when you when you eat them. <laughs> like have a you, nutty popcorn? Have you decided? Yeah, like a, maybe, yeah. like, a jelly belly, like the butter one. You know when you have, like, a good yeah. a good handful of jelly bellies and are you, you get sabotaged by sommelier? the butter? <laughs> yeah. Not a fan it has of notes of, of nuts and finishes yeah. smooth like popcorn. Would you try it? Bun Lai. Who's he? Bun Lai. Bun Lai in Connecticut this is going to make you a 2004 brewed ex cicada. Hey, Delicious. Hey, Thursday on Insiders. Freightways Insiders up on Thursday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Look up Freightways Insiders wherever you get podcasts as well if you want in your eardrums. I'm talking to Jenna Bryant. She is the uh, CEO and general partner over at Embedded Ventures. You know, trucking, we talk about 7% female behind the wheel. Yeah. How about female VC? Not 4% female in that business. Not a lot. We, 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 we go deep on the topic, how venture capital works, being a female in venture capital, all of those kind of things. We'll be back on Friday when NASA lands back on the show talking about the logistics of barging rockets around. Crazy stuff. Ooh, yeah, that fun. Hey, find the show on your favorite podcast player. Look up What the Truck. You want every show, look up Freightcast. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dune. You can find him at Vincent the Dude. Right Tell on. him how to be. Hey, man, peace and love. Spread it everywhere. Be the Good Samaritan.